A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like the After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 112 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a loaded episode in store today. And with me, as always, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? How much? It's good to be back. I know we were a couple days later than usual, just, you know, some scheduling stuff. Just busy time of year, but we're here to talk baseball. Season's in full swing. Minor league's in full swing. Everything good is going on. And we're going to break it all down for you right here and right now. How dare life get in the way of recording a podcast, right? Like <laughs> we got, I know obviously we got kids and family and other obligations. So yeah, it was just a, uh, a Sunday night. I had something Monday night. It was Chris. So it's just like one of those, one of those times where it just didn't work out. So, but we still get you two episodes this week. Don't worry. We got one today. You're listening on Wednesday. We'll have another one for you on Friday, so still two episodes. Don't worry, and this is going to be worth the wait because we had we have a really loaded episode today. A lot of fun topics, dynasty prospects, redraft, a little bit of everything today, including a lot of live looks over the last week from both of us. We'll get those in as well later on. But before we get into the episode, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ Network with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day, usually three or four of them every single day. So loaded stuff there, a lot of good stuff at Fantrax HQ. But let's get right into it here, Chris. So let's start out with a guy that's turned into one of my favorite, probably one of my five favorite pitchers to watch and i hate that he's on a division rival of my boston red sox but that is the one the only shane mcnasty mcclanahan that's my new nickname for him is mcnasty and he has been nasty this year outside of a yeah i guess so so start against uh where was it 
against Oakland in his third second start of the year. He's been absolutely dominant outside of that. Overall, in four starts, 22 innings pitched. He has a 245 ERA, 0.95 whip, 5.8% walk rate, which is down about a percent and a half from last year, and a 36% strikeout rate, which is up about 9%. All of his quality of contact metrics have come down as well. Hard hit rate, barrel rate, et cetera, exit velocity. And I remember, you know, last year him being one of or coming up 0.1% shy of being one of three pitchers to have a 40% whiff rate or better on three offerings. And that was a 39.9% whiff rate on a slider. This year, those whiff rates and those three pitches have gone up. It's ridiculous. Change up 58.6% whiff rate. No hits allowed on it. Like those three pitches are, you just can't touch them right now. The fastball is still getting hit around a little bit, but, or a lot, 400 batting average against. But when the secondaries are so damn good and he throws them about 63% of the time combined, you can get away with that. So the question is, Chris, where does Shane McClellan fall in terms of the, the pitching pecking order here for Dynasty? Is he top 10? Because I think he's he's knocking on that door right now. I think you have to highly consider putting him that high, especially with how good he's looked. There's so many good arms at the top, but could he get in this conversation? I certainly think so. You know, I think he's made a couple of major improvements this year, and it's one, the strike throwing. You know, you look last year, and while he did throw the four-seamer and curve for strikes a very often, the slider and changeup weren't quite there. But this year, we're seeing him effectively put those in the zone, get more strikes with them as well, which which is huge. Obviously, getting a ton of swings and misses on all of his pitches, especially those secondaries, though, the curve, the, the changeup, and the slider all being really, really good pitches so far. Fastball has gotten hit a little bit. It's okay. I'm not that concerned about it. The velo has been good. The usage has been good. The strike rate's been good. He still has a 31% CSW on that pitch alone, which I think is pretty significant. So as long as he's up, like locating it well up in the zone, then he's going to be fine. There's no concern with that at all, in my opinion. I think where he really stands out is when you get to the secondaries that I mentioned. You know, those pitches have been absolutely dominant from the changeup being, you know, arguably one of the better ones in baseball so far this year to the slider and the curve both being really good as well. I think he has the makings to be in the top 10. I'm not quite ready to put him there yet, but we're looking at a 24-year-old pitcher who really looks like he could be evolving into an ace right in front of us. Yeah, I'm very tempted to put him in right now. I was looking at my my dynasty pitcher rankings. So going on the list, I got Burns, Cole, Bueller, Woodruff, Bieber, Alcantara, Uriah, Wheeler, Webb, and Musgrove, my top 10. But I have McClanahan right behind Musgrove, literally one spot in my overall. So I can I could see him being ahead of, you know, getting even up to Urias. Like I can see him getting up to like seven or eight at this, you know, within the next few months here. He's got, I think he's got more upside than the names in front of them. Wheeler, you know, even though I do think Wheeler's going to bounce back. It's, I think you look at Wheeler, people are worried about him. You know, if you can go buy low on Wheeler, you know, real quick, let me say that. If you go, if you can go buy low on Wheeler, go do so because he's still ramping up. He had a, obviously a shorter spring training already. Plus, his was even shorter because of this, the uh, shoulder injury he was dealing with. So don't be worried about Wheeler. But 
I can see you know him being ahead of these guys. I love Musgrove. We both do. Webb is a guy that I've started liking more and more after every start. But I guess he's definitely in that conversation. And I like him more, you know, than a couple other young guys that get talked about a lot. Dylan Cease. Cease is not. Actually, he's only twenty six. Thought he was a little older than that. But uh, Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa. Well, actually, I put a poll out not too long before we started recording. So let's see uh, what we have for results here so far. So I asked, who would you rather have between these three for Dynasty Leagues? And right now, it's uh, actually McClanahan and a runaway. The other two are actually tied. Manoa sees at 24.1% each, but Shane McClanahan at 51.8% kind of running away with it. Do you agree with those results, Chris? Would you take him over Manoa and Cease right now? I think it's close. Right now, I mean, he's been the better pitcher. I think this is the recency bias of how good he's pitched, but it's hard to discount what Manoa and even Cease are doing right now too. I mean, Cease has looked good, but I wouldn't say he's been elite. Manoa's been really good. Manoa's a 2-0 ERA, a 1-0 whip, 18 strikeouts, 18 innings, while Cease has 19 strikeouts and 16 innings with a 3-3 ADRA and a 1-2-5 whip, which are both really good. But, you know, you look at the surface numbers from McClanahan and they're, I mean, just better, which I think is pretty impressive. And you look at the strikeouts and his stuff in general, I think the the stuff is is right there. And I, I think that – does McClanahan have the highest CSW in baseball? I'm not sure, but I, I think – I think he's at least up there. I mean, his CSW is 38.9% right now. So I'm going to pull up this leaderboard to see because I think he's – gotta be yeah like, where's out where's alex fast and nick Polk when you need them we can't, we can't have <laughs> they, them on call for this podcast i know they would quote they would have it around the top of their head all right leaderboard says mcclanahan is number one can you guess who is second on this leaderboard okay csw right csw all right can i ask two questions before i guess sure all right i don't even know what my two questions are i should have <laughs> thought of these two questions al or nl nl and I don't know what the other question is. Righty or lefty? Righty. Righty NL. Is it Kyle Wright? It is Kyle Wright. Nice. (laughs) I was thinking, like, who is doing really, really well so far that isn't, like, a huge name? That's the first thing in my mind. The top five is McClanahan, Kyle Wright, Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove, and Pablo Lopez. Ooh, Lopez, man, when he's healthy, he's, like, a top 25 arm, I think. Just that the so. injury risk and the fact that he hasn't accumulated more than what's his career high, like 115 or so innings. Yeah, it's right around that's there. Bumped him down a, a peg or two in draft boards. But man, Pablo Lopez is very good. But but yeah, McClanahan leading that board is no surprise. Nope. He's been that good. So I think it's fair. I think we're uh, definitely looking at a potential ace for Dynasty Leagues. And Kyle Wright, man, like. You know, I, I, wrote, I wrote this, you know, wrote him up again in my top 100 starting pitcher rankings that he just continues to fly up right now. He's inside of my top 50 at this point, but he's gone from like, oh, that's a fun little story to, man, Kyle Wright is for real. Like the K minus Walker, I think his walk rate's like, what, three point something percent right now, if I remember right. It was like a 39% K rate, 3% walk rates. You know, that command and control is take been leaps and bounds better than it was in the past, which is what kind of held him back. He always had the good stuff, but. Man, you guys, you got another one down there that could just, you know, add to Anderson and and Freed and everybody that he could just be another really good arm for you guys. So I think Wright is legit. I do too. I'm a hundred percent buying. I 
while I don't think the walk rate sticks this low, I still think Probably Brad's going to be a really solid arm moving forward. He He's made the changes that he needs to make. He's throwing the curveball as his most used pitch, and it's really paid off. So I think if he continues to rely heavily on that curve and he has the confidence, I think confidence is a big thing. And when we see that, then he he's really going to take off. And he already has, but even if he doesn't stick at this level, and I'm not that concerned. I think he's still going to be a solid arm for fantasy. Agreed. Would you rather have uh, Dynasty long-term, Kyle Wright or another breakup this year, Tyler McGill? I'd rather have Wright. Why is that? I trust the stuff more. Wright's got yep. the pedigree. I think McGill's opening day start really, really got a lot of hype. And I'm not sure we continue to see that. The velo was up significantly, and I think that I'm not sure that holds. The strikeouts have been okay, and we've seen the strikeout rate just kind of tick down a little bit. So Wright, I think Wright's going to strike out more batters. Maybe they have similar ERAs, but I just think that McGill's a little inflated right now, and we see him come back down to earth. But hopefully I'm wrong. I do I do like him, and I think he's been solid. But it's hard to say for sure. His, his outing against a tough lineup, we saw what he did. He allowed four runs to the Giants, so – in six innings, well, it's still solid. He only struck out four, walked two, but I just have concerns. How much, how how many, like how much of the strikeout stuff actually sticks? Maybe he's a strikeout and inning type guy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I would lean right as well. Like, it's very close. And I have a good amount of shares of both of them, thankfully. I had a, it's funny, Kyle Wright was one of my most rostered or one of my most drafted players in terms of NFBC leagues this year. It's because I was in, in those DCs and best balls. I was just getting a lot of him and like the, 40th whatever round so i'm very happy with that so far this year obviously as he's been one of the top five best pitchers in baseball sticking on the pitching side of things christian javier is going to be in in the rotation at least for the time being he'll get the start well technically today when you're listening to this wednesday night against who is he facing the texas rangers so you know decent opponent there in texas and javier you know i've said he would have been a top 50 pitcher for me in my preseason rankings if I knew he was a start. But with him going to the bullpen, obviously that couldn't happen. But he's coming to three games so far, eight and a third innings. Has not given up a run yet, 0.72 whip and 12 Ks for 38.7% K rate, only a 3.2% walk rate. And I, and I said this, I, he's another guy I wrote a blurb on in my starting pitcher rankings article a few days ago that as long as he's a starter, I think he's top 50. Now, can he stick as a starter? You know, they're running a six man rotation right now, but I think this might be a make or break start for Jake Odorizzi, who's off to a terrible start. Uh, ERA is over nine there. Obviously, he's not fitting into the long term plans. Javier obviously is more of a long term guy for Houston. So I can see, you know, if Javier pitches well in this start and then Odorizzi does not, I can see them making that switch and moving Odorizzi to a long man or even DFA and them. Who knows? But yeah, Javier's with that slider. You know, this year not quite getting the whiffs on it, but has not given up a hit yet on it. And last year, 0.089 batting average against with a 49% whiff rate. Now, I think this is a guy that definitely could be a top 50 arm here moving forward, as long as he has the end. My concern is he's pretty much a two pitch guy, and he he throws the curve and change up significantly more to left handed hitters. So. I don't know. I'm interested to see what he does. I, I like the stuff. I, I do. I think that he could be solid. And you mentioned, I think top 50 is fair, but let's see how he does in a longer stint. I have my concerns. He does get hit a little hard. And he, he always has. He's always been one of those that's allowed some loud contact, generates good whiffs, gets the strikeouts. 
And if he's limiting the walks, then it'd be okay. You know, last year we saw a 12.5% walk rate. This year that's down to 3.2%. How much of that sticks in a start is to be determined, but I do think this is a favorable matchup for him here. Gets kind of coming out of the gate a little easy against the Rangers who, I mean, even with the additions of Simeon and, and Seager have been just okay. So I, th- I like the matchup. I like the opportunity for him moving forward. So we'll see what he can do. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that he, you know, it's only been, you know, a small sample size, but usually with, with a right-handed curveball, you'll see that thrown more to righties than lefties. So it's kind of like he works backwards in that sense. But maybe it's just because he has so much faith in that slider against righties, when as he should, that he goes to that more so than the curveball. But, you know, last year, the curve and changeup, though they were seldom used, combined, what is that, about 13.5%. They were actually, you know, they were solid in terms of this, the metrics on them. Both had a batting average against under 225, Woba under 300. You know, Curveball had a 31.3% whiff rate. So I think there's, they could be at least serviceable if he uses them more. We'll see, we'll see how that looks when he gets into the rotation here because he's only thrown them combined four times so far. Uh, well, he's done the slider 54 times and the uh, four seamer 68 times. So we'll see. But yeah, definitely a lot of intrigue here with Javier. That is for sure. Uh, another pitcher here, John Means having Tommy John surgery. Does that? Do you think that means Grayson? This, this is the question that everyone asked. Like as soon as the the Means news broke, everyone's like, "Does that mean G Rod's up sooner?" I don't know if this actually changes Rodriguez's timeline. He was gonna like outside of Means. You know, obviously Bruce Zimmerman's having a decent year, but. That is not a good rotation. With or without means, that is a bottom 10 rotation, even with Zimmerman pitching well and whatnot. But I think they're going to bring up G-Rod when he's ready, and they could have everybody get hurt in that rotation, and I don't think that changes the timeline. With that said, I still think G-Rod's up June or July or so. But what, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I think he's ready. I think it's just a matter of when the Orioles decide they're ready. You know, It'd be nice if they brought him and Adley up together. I think that'd be fun. Give some excitement around the organization. I don't think he has anything left to prove. Means doesn't change the timeline. There's plenty of open opportunities in that rotation. So I don't really see why anything would change because of the Tommy John surgery. But we'll see when the Orioles decide they're ready to bring him up. And hopefully that's in the next couple of weeks. But I think it's just a matter of when they decide they want to start his time clock or service clock. That would be awesome. Like they make their debut on the same day, catching each other. That's not often you have a chance to do that, especially with guys that are like, you know, arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball and the best catching prospect in baseball. Having that battery come up on the same day, that that'd be awesome. I'm sure Alex Fast would would approve <laughs> of that, even though he's out he's out west now. But with his new baby, congrats to Alex and family there on the new baby. A little shout out to them, but. Yeah, that would be awesome to see those two debut at the same time. And yeah, Rodriguez, he's ready. Like he's a guy. I, he was ready last year. I saw him in Double A last August. Like he was ready then. Like there's no doubt in my mind. And this year he's off to a you know another great start. Fourteen in the third innings. He's allowed five hits, two runs, two walks, twenty three strikeouts, one point two six ERA, zero point four nine WHIP. Yeah, he's ready. This Baltimore needs to you know agree with that. I'm sure they they do, but service time and all that jazz won't. But hopefully, sooner rather than later, both of them good stashes, of course. All right, moving over to the hitting side of things. Another injury for Eloy Jimenez, Chris, unfortunately. But 
is he injury prone? Can we put the injury prone tag on him? Is that fair at this point? He's already had a few, you know, not small injuries so far in his young career. He's only, I think, 24. Is he a guy that you think is going to be one of those guys that always misses a lot of time? It's highly possible. I mean, you just look at the, the history and, you know, he's constantly had just injury after injury, even dating back to his minor league days. 2018, 2017, 2019, you just go back and you see all of these injuries and then they just keep piling up. So it is kind of interesting to see, like, is he kind of becoming Byron Buxton? <laughs> like the, the the old Byron Buxton, I guess we could say, like just constantly injury prone. It, it definitely could be. So I'm concerned. I think that his value drops pretty significantly. I don't know. It's tough because I do like the talent. I'm a fan of Eloy, but it's just not looking great for him. Just little things just piling up. I think the I think it's fair to say that he's potentially injury prone. Yeah, I agree. And I don't even think he's top fifty for me anymore in Dynasty. I really yeah. don't. Like, I, he's good. I'm not saying he's not, but I guess I think I, I brought this up on one of our episodes like a month or so ago. Like. What's the big difference between him and Austin Riley or even him and like a Jesus Sanchez long term? I don't think there's a big gap. And if you can go out, like if you have Eloy right now and maybe the, the Jesus Sanchez, you know, person in your league is not a contender, or, you know, not looking like there'd be a contender this year. Maybe try to, you know, flip Eloy for Sanchez and get a solid second piece thrown in that you can use right now. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But I do think Eloy's you know, a bit overrated. He doesn't run. He bought 30 homer bat, 260, 270. But, you know, you can find that. Like I said, that's Austin Riley pretty much. And we've been ranking Eli Jimenez ahead of Austin Riley. I don't know why, but uh, I have dropped him down to, let's uh, see, where did I drop Eloy down to? Yeah, right, 56 right now. And might even go a little bit lower by the time I actually post this update on Fantex HQ. We'll see. But I, I don't think he, he's a good bat, but he doesn't stand out to me anymore. Like, I think we thought he would stand out. He just doesn't stand out, so um, not a top 50 guy for me anymore. Do you still have him top 50, Chris? I think I'm going to bump him out. I just don't think he's worth staying in that range when you look at – I mean, yeah, you're right, the talent, but there's so many guys I'd rather have over him at this point. I'd much rather have Austin Riley, I think. we yep. Looking at Riley's done, knock on wood, he stayed really healthy. So I don't know. Eloy's a frustrating one to try and rank right now, but I don't think he's worthy of top 50. No, I don't know. He's, he's still top 100, absolutely. But, yeah, I agree. I, don't, I just don't think he's top 50 anymore. More like 60 to 70 range for me. Yeah, let's go over to some infielders here that are off to hot starts this season. We got four on the list here. But let's start with a guy that I feel like is becoming one of the most loved players in baseball, and rightfully so. He's, he's a very fun player to watch. Seems like he's a really fun, charismatic, energetic guy. And that's Jazz Chisholm from the Miami Marlins who's off to a very good start this year in 50 plate appearances, four home runs, four steals, 295, 340, 727 slug. The quality of contact metrics have gone up this year. Barrel rate up to 15.6%. Hard hit rate up from 42% to 50%. Even the walk rate's gone up a little bit, up to 8% from 6.7%. But at the same time, you look at a lot of the plate discipline metrics, they're pretty much in line with last year. Whiff rate actually gone up a little bit. Chase rate has improved about 5.5%, but 
do you think that we're just writing a hot seat right now and one of those cold cheeks is going to come? I think I think that's where I'm at is, yeah, he's going to be a very fun player, but there's still going to be peaks and valleys here. So I wouldn't go too overboard with, with trying to acquire him in Dynasty Leagues right now. I don't think so. It's it's not a great buy high because I think you're going to ride a constant roller coaster with Jazz. Yeah. You look at look at his pull rate right now. It's just really high. I mean, the the pulled fly balls are the reason that we've seen so much power, which is really nice. But obviously, he's going to steal bases when he gets on. I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies. I think he's going to have weeks where he doesn't get on base very often. So I, I do think this profile is fun. It's intriguing, but I'm not sure it's one to go out and pay out the wazoo for right now with with his cost so high because I do think there's so many bumps in the road along the way that are yet to be seen. And we've seen them all throughout his career. So they're going to come. He's going to have good times. He's going to have bad times. Is he just Javier Baez 2.0, do you think? I mean, I would say that's a pretty solid outcome. I'm, I don't think that's terrible. Yeah. Because think back before Baez had his little rough stretch. I mean, I would say people valued him as a easy top 50 guy, if not yep. higher. So – you know, I think Jazz is pushing that right now. I think he, he definitely – talk about Eloy. I definitely prefer Jazz to Eloy because of the skill set that he brings to the table. But like I said, the ups and downs are going to be something you have to weather. And if you can do that, I think you're still going to end up at the end of the season with, with a guy who gives you at least 20 home runs and stolen bases and maybe like a 250-260 batting average. Yeah, I don't think the batting average is going to be a huge gap. I'd give the edge to Eloy, but not by a lot, maybe 10, 10 points or so. But And then obviously the power edge to him, but what Jazz does on the base pass, what Eloy does not steal at all, and Jazz can give you 20, 25, you know, maybe even push 30. I won't be surprised if he pushed 30, 30 one of these years early on in his career. Yeah, I think he definitely could be top 50 right now for sure with what he can do all around and. That Miami lineup isn't the greatest, but I think it's on the up and up, and they have some top prospects on the way that could help out. So maybe they'll start spending some money as well. They've already, you know, they brought an obvious sale that hasn't really worked out so far, but that definitely is a could be a better lineup moving forward around him, especially with you know Jesus San- Sanchez as well, who is tearing it up right now, three ten, three home runs uh, in his first fifty eight at bats. So definitely like Jazz a lot. Another n- shortstop here that's having one of the He's, I think he's one of the top fantasy players overall so far this year. That's Francisco Lindor hitting 294, 388, 529, four home runs and three steals in 80 plate appearances. Were we a little, as a not just you and me, but this, a lot of people in this industry in general, I think were a little, maybe a little quick to drop him down rankings a bit far. You think that's was wrong or do you think this is, is this a good sell high? I guess what I'm trying to say here in a roundabout way is this a good sell high right now in Lindor, do you think? I don't I don't know. I think he's legit. I think that I, I and the more you watch, I think this is a real thing where guys in the first year of big contracts in big cities struggle. And I think that, you know, last year was a real mental block that he had to deal with, you know, going to the big apple and a huge three hundred forty one million dollar contract. Like the expectations are just absolutely through the roof, which makes it a big challenge. You know, what he's doing is Pretty much similar to what he's done his whole career. You look at the batted ball data and the quality of contact. He doesn't hit the ball that hard. He's not going to scorch baseballs, but he's doing everything you want to see him do. He's at least making really good contact. We've seen the strikeout rate you know, improve significantly from last year back to closer to where he was for his career, and he's walking at a high clip. Like Everything you want to see in this profile 
looks really, really good. I I think we see Vintage Lindor, not maybe Vintage Lindor that hits what I don't remember, I don't know his peak year, but I know his pretty good power speed to pull it up. It was thirty eight homers, twenty five stolen bases. I don't think we see that, but I think we see a twenty eight home run and fifteen steal type Lindor this year with a you know, maybe a two seventy average. So I, I don't think it's a sell high. I really really like the early returns from what we've seen from him. Yeah, same here. And he, I kind of always thought it was a matter of time before he turned it around. Yeah, I've been a little critical of Lindor. I've usually been a little bit lower. So you guys, you know, you look at, you mentioned this, the Savant page doesn't doesn't wow you. Like, look at the quality of context. Is It's all right. 32.8% hard hit rate, 5.2% barrel rate. That's actually below league average, but it doesn't always need to be glowing red on Savant. Yeah, it's great, obviously. If you had a you know 60% hard hit rate, that's awesome. But it doesn't always translate to success. Look at Kyle Tucker right now. He's he's doing well, but he's getting bad up to death and he's hitting like 130, whatever it is. So Lindor, I think is, he's at this is pretty legit. Maybe the average comes down. I don't think he's hit 294, but yeah, I, I'm kind of right there with you. 25, 30 home runs, around 15, 16, 17 steals, something like that. Solid average. Mets lineup is obviously pretty good around him, so he'll get, you know, he'll be, be able to flirt with, you know, 90 runs and 90 RBI as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely a legit bounce back here. And he's still only 28, too, which kind of amazed me that I mean, he's been around. Where did he debut? 2015. So I guess this is only his eighth year, but I, I thought he was a, a bit older. He's been around for a bit, but he's still only 28. So still right in that physical prime. I think we can still get a few more, you know, elite top 40, top 50 years from Lindor. I, I moved him back up. I had him b- bump down around low 50s. He is now, where did I bump him up to? Uh, back up to 37 right now. So back inside my top 40. Where, where's he at for you, Chris? I, I think he's, I think it's fair to say he's in the 30 to 40 range. I don't know yeah. exactly where he'll end up, but I think that's a safe spot to put him. Yeah, I think so too. Would you rather have him or Tim Anderson? I think Lindor at this point. I, I have my concerns about, I mean, Tim Anderson. I, you know, is this a year where we kind of see him struggle? I think it's possible. And, you know, the White Sox as a whole are kind of struggling. I, I still like Tim Anderson a lot, but, you know, I do prefer Lindor and what I've seen so far this season. I think I think I lean Lindor as well. How about Lindor or Trevor Story? Man, I have a lot of Trevor Story on team, so I want to say him, but I, I think I would trade Story straight up for Lindor right now. That's fair. I, that's hard one for me to pick. And if I say story, the people will call me biased because I'm a Red Sox fan. Probably, but, but yeah, <laughs> don't let my bias sneak in here. Ah, uh, man, that that is tough. I don't know. I think it's basically a coin flip for me. I don't know if I had to pick. I guess I would still go with story, but you can't go wrong either way. That's for sure. And uh, moving on here, next name on the list: Ty France. Oh my word! Ty France is off to a phenomenal start. To the season here I was, I was looking the other day and i was like he's he's right up there in a lot of the offensive leaderboard i think he's second in rbi right now to uh, right behind joe ram who has 20 he has 19 but also has five home runs 11 run score doesn't you know doesn't steal anything which is you know what he's bad he doesn't have any steals in his career but he's hitting two, 375 459 656 this year with those five home runs and 19 rbi and he's dropped the K rate down from an already good 16.3% down to just 10.8%, which is one of the best marks in the league. Walk rate is up to 9.5%. Do you 
Are you a believer in France as, let's say, a top 100 player moving forward, Chris? I would say that's a, a fair place to put him. I think that everything we've seen is legit. I think he showed signs of this last year. He's only 27 years old, so right in the middle of the prime. I mean, you look at his batted ball data, it's really good. His spray chart is excellent, and I'm surprised he doesn't have more than five home runs just looking at it because he could easily lead the league in home runs right now just looking at a couple balls that look like they'd be out, at least in Seattle, that turn out to be doubles. You know, hitting in that ballpark and hitting five home runs already has been a pleasant surprise. That's not a, a great hitter's park. I think he's legit. I think that we could be looking at a top 100 guy. Something that I was just, just literally just popped in my head about 10 seconds ago. Is he infield Brian Reynolds moving forward? Roughly see that kind of average. I think that's. Yeah, I was like, the contact rates aren't quite there, but I think it can be close, you know, more like, you know, good average, good, but not great power numbers. And, you know, they don't run much. I think Reynolds runs a little bit, but. I can see them being – I still would give the edge to Reynolds, but yeah. I don't see like a huge gap between those two long no. term. I mean, France is a career 288 hitter and, yeah. and 1080 plate appearances, a career 360 OBP. Like, those are really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's, got, he's had a zone contact rate above 87% each of the last two years, above average, you know, or better than league average, I should say, chase rate, whiff rate, et cetera. I already mentioned the, the walk and, and strikeout rates, hard hit rates up to 42.9% this year. Barrel right up to 9%. So, yeah, I think you can see like a 290, you know, 23, 24 homer season, something like that. Maybe, you know, 25, 26. You know, he could flirt with 100 RBI. I think that's definitely possible, especially if Kellenic and, and J-Rod get it going here, which I think they should. Like, I think I was looking, Rodriguez has like the seventh best hard hit rate in baseball or something like that. It's like 58%. And you mentioned he was a guy that stood out in your 80th percentile uh, hard hit rate as well. So, Definitely think J-Rod's gonna, I think it's a matter of time before he gets going. He's he's getting squeezed a lot, which is ridiculous. Some of those third, third straight calls on him, you know, he's not getting the uh, star treatment yet. You know, umpires mm-hmm. are umpires aren't giving him that star treatment yet. So you know what's crazy with J-Rod is how he's just evolved into such an elite runner. Like he's stealing bases, and he has the fast fifth fastest sprint speed recorded in baseball this year. That's yeah. just absolutely nuts. Like. You know, we we looked at a player that we thought would be an average runner, and he just said, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to get even faster, and not even though I'm humongous and have massive power, like I'm going to run." And he's done that, and he like he's just gotten better. Like it's, I don't know, I can't get over the progression that he's made. It to me, it's yep. just kind of crazy. Absolutely, and, and that was why you know a year and a half or two, or two years ago, I gave the slight edge to Kellenic because I thought there was going to be an extra. 10 to 12 steals in that profile. I didn't think, I thought Koenig was going to be around 20. I thought J-Rod was going to be like 8 to 10, but that has almost, not, not flip-flop, but I wouldn't be surprised if the next, over the next five years, J-Rod stole more than Koenig. I think it's going to be pretty close, and obviously he's a better hitter, better power, so obviously that's why I have J-Rod got a good amount ahead of my dynasty rankings now, but yeah, it's outstanding how he just keeps getting better as a pure hitter and as a base runner to the power, he, he's going to be a stud. It's only a matter of time, but getting off topic here. Uh, but yeah, Ty France, I think definitely could be top 100 moving forward. Last infielder here, a guy that I have on several fantasy teams. I just really like this guy. I don't know why. You know, you're one of those guys like where it's like, all right, he's a decent player, but you just really like him for whatever reason. 
But that guy for me is Connor Joe. I think he's he's 29 years old, so a little bit late to, you know, he only has 295 career plate appearances. So one of those late bloomers, but came on last year in the second half, given, you know, more playing time, ended up hitting, had a 9.9% bail rate last year, 39% hard hit rate, 19.4% K rate, 12.3% walk rate. So solid quality of contact, good approach. This year, everything's gotten better. K rate's down about 2%. Walk rate did go down half percent, so 11.8%. Bear rate's gone up. And overall, 322, 412, 627 slash line, four home runs and a steal, only six RBI because Colorado is Colorado. But I think what we're seeing is, you know, I don't think he's going to be a stud, but could Connor Joe be a, you know, a solid mm, top 150 player moving forward for the next handful of years? Absolutely, I think that's possible. Yeah, it's just that benefit of playing in Colorado where you're going to see a huge boost in offense because of that, even in the environment where the ball is is really dead. And, and his splits, his home road splits actually aren't that bad. So, you know, he's still posting solid numbers on the road, which I think is encouraging. Doesn't hit the ball that hard, but he's getting away with it. He's making plenty of contact. He's not striking out a ton. So he could be continue to be a solid source of production where – and I don't I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. You look at his profile and how he's progressed, and I think he could be legit, but at the same time, I think he could be a decent sell high. There seems to be always someone that really loves him, and part of me just doesn't trust that the profile sticks like this. But again, the added benefit of getting to play 82 games in Colorado is, is a huge factor, I think, in this profile too, where it just gives you that much of an added boost too. Yeah. Do I think he's going to be a stick at this level? No, but can I see, you know, 280 with 20 home runs and a handful of steals? Yeah, I can see that. I can see him being just as good as Ryan McMahon moving forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, I'm the Connor Joe guy. It's the guy Chris was alluding to. I'm the Connor Joe guy. So <laughs> we're, if we're in a league together, trade me some Connor Joe. I will take Connor Joe right now. That's going to take us to a break right now, though. We'll come back on the other side, get in some more into prospects here on the other side of the, of the break. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get over to the prospect side of things now. And let's look at some prospects that have been hot over the last week or so or the last, last seven to 10 days. So what, what we'll be looking at for stats is over the last 10 days. And we have four hitters and five pitchers on the list. Let's start on the hitting side of things with Michael Bush. We, we actually just talked about him on our Dodgers Patreon podcast that we recorded right before we recorded this show. And Michael Bush has been very, very good this season. And he's really come on over the last you know week or so where he's hit 310, 475, 862. Five home runs and a double over his last 40 plate appearances. He's doing everything that he's been known to do this year, but even to a greater level, hitting for power, the approach. He's always always been a high OBP guy. That has continued this year. So do you think that 
A, do you think we see Michael Bush this year, Chris? And B, is he a top 50 prospect for you? Yes, for OBP purposes, he definitely is top 50 from... I don't know. Why is he still in double A? Like he, he was fine in double A last year. He played all last year in double A. He's 24 years old. I don't understand why he's not triple A. Be fun to see him there for sure. But you look at the strides, they look good. My biggest hesitation is that the contact rates are still not great. They're sub 70%. They were sub 70% last year. The thing is he's going to get on base a high clip though, because he walks so much and the bang average is just really popping off, and he's hitting the ball harder, which I think is good too. So I think that's obviously benefited him. You look, and he's got a 40% hard hit rate right right now as compared to a 33.5% hard hit rate last year. So just hitting the ball harder. Similar batted ball distribution too. He's not like pulling it. Like you look at the home runs, and you see he's hit seven already, but it's not from a matter of just pulling more balls. He's you know, 45.7% pull rate right now as opposed to 44% last year. So it's not like it's just like these pulled fly balls that are flying out of the park. So, yes, Bush is top 50 for me in OBP prospect rankings. And I do think he gets a look at, towards the end of the year. You know, injury could allow him to get some playing time. I mean, he really he's capable of playing multiple positions. He's going to play second base majority of the time, but he can also play some first base. So if they need some help, if they get some injuries, I could see him coming up. Yeah, I, I could too. In fact, yeah, you can play second and first. And with Justin Turner not off to the hottest start this year, I, they're not going to make a move yet, obviously. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Turner's still struggling or maybe the, if they have an injury here in the infield where they can move guys around like Muncie and Gavin Lux, so on and so forth, where they could, you know, if, if Turner goes down, they can move, you know, Someone over to third, they'll put up second base or, or, or whatever it may be. So I can see him or Miguel Vargas. Vargas isn't off to a, a hot start this year. Battleball data does look good, but you know, Bush is the one off to the, the hotter start overall. So I could definitely see Bush coming up, you know, sooner rather than later by you know June or so. But it might take an injury to open up a, a Fulton spot, though, unfortunately. He's right around 50 for me. For me, he's just outside my top 50 because mine are not OBP focused. But still, he's right in that general ballpark. Definitely, he's a two sixty type of hitter. You know, twenty five or so home runs, high OBP. You know, he's be a, probably a guy that hits higher on the order. You know, scores a lot of runs as well. So definitely, right in that top fifty range for me as well. Another prospect here that is really hot here over the last ten days: Joshua Mears from the San Diego Padres, twenty one year old, down in High A. Last ten days, thirty five plate appearances: three twenty one, four fifty seven, nine twenty nine slug with two doubles and five home runs that pushes his season line up to you struggle with the first you know handful of games of the season but up to 275 383 784 slash line five doubles seven home runs and a steal in 60 point appearances with a 10 percent walk rate but the one red flag here 36.7 percent k rate through those first 60 point appearances but you know how impressed have you been by joshua mir so far chris power's certainly there I was trying to look. He had yeah, he had a home run that was 504 feet. <laughs> allegedly, I saw that. Allegedly, that was, uh, a, that was the longest one since uh, what they said was Nomar Mazzara's 505 yep. foot blast like seven or eight years ago. That's crazy. I mean, he is a big boy. He's got big power too. So, not really surprised. But God, that's a, a long way. So, I'd like some confirmation on that. But did you yeah. see the, the camera had a hard time picking it up? It was oh, like, it was just like 
all over the place. Like you couldn't like, even see the ball. Like it was the that ball bad. was it was left center. The cameras like started out in right center, then it moved over. It was cameras guys. I don't blame him. Like where is that ball? He just right. it. he just it, it disintegrated in the thin air. He he's one that's just plays into heavy pull power. He's pulling the ball sixty percent of the time right now. It's pretty significant. As you mentioned, strikeouts have always been a concern. Contact has always been a huge concern. And I think that holds him back. I mean, last year he had a 52.9% contact rate in low A. This year, 56.9%. I think I'd like to see him challenged at double A and see how he fares. I'm interested to see what he could do, but the strikeouts and the overall contact skills do concern me a bit, though. When he makes contact, it goes a long way. So I'm trying to think of a decent, it looks like it's like Joey Gallo type power and just contact skills i don't know he, he's it's interesting profile for sure yeah that power is definitely is carrying until he fits that mold of the power hitting but low contact corner outfielder for sure see he's definitely one that's very intriguing to me when you see this type of power potential but like i said even though he's been you know hitting well this year like I said, the K rate is still high. You mentioned the contact rate, though it's better. It's still below 60%, which is not good at all. So, yeah, definitely while I'm in, I'm intrigued, I'm still kind of being a little cautious when it comes to Mears. He, he's moved up. He's about top 150-ish for me, but definitely want to see more strides with that approach and with the context goes before I go crazy and you know put him near top 100 or something like that. Next on the list here. Pete Crow Armstrong, cover your ears, Mets fans. Pete Crow Armstrong is doing very well here early on in his Cubs tenure. Last 10 days, hitting 355, 500, 677. Two doubles, one triple, two home runs, seven steals because he's in low A and everyone steals. I could steal. You know, I could have 40 steals in, in low A without the. No, right. not really. But yeah, he's running wild right now. He's at seven steals in the last 10 days. Overall, that pushes him on the season to uh, let's see here 326 463 581 and 54 plate appearances three doubles a triple two home runs and still seven steals with as many walks as strikeouts eight apiece for a 14.8 percent rate on both of those he's pretty much doing what i expected him to do i didn't think he'd you know have a 500 obp but high contact good speed you know decent pop like i thought he'd be like a 15 18 homer guy something like that Maybe more if he bulks up a little bit. Wrigley Field is always a good place to hit. So definitely very encouraging start for, for PCA and, and not one I'm overly surprised by, to be honest with you. No, he's one I think that if he had played all of last season, he would be probably already a top 50 guy for most and yep. maybe even higher. He, he does so many things well. He's he's a five-tool player in my book. He's elite in the field. He's got great speed, got a good arm, hit for average, good feel for contact, and – now we're seeing him hit the ball a little bit harder, which has been encouraging, and that's going to be a big factor for him moving forward. But he has six extra base hits, two, three doubles, a triple, and two home runs, which you love to see. Obviously, you take the stolen bases with a grain of salt, but know that he is a good runner, that he's going to get on base at a high clip as well because he also knows how to take a walk, and the plate discipline is good. So I do agree. I think that he's going to push top 50 prospect status pretty soon. 100% agree. He's, he's already getting very close. He's about 55 or so for me right now. So he keeps us up. He might be top 50 by uh, my update in the next uh, week and a half or so. But speaking of good plate discipline, a guy that started off a little cold to start the season, 
but has really turned it on over the last 10 days. Our boy, Vinny Pasquantino. Last 10 days, 35 plate appearances, 360, 543, 760, two doubles, one triple, two home runs, and two steals. He just decides he wants to run now, which is great. That's not going to stick, don't worry. But this is fun to see. But what's even more impressive here than everything I just said, five extra base hits, you know, the slash line, so on and so forth, nine walks to two strikeouts. And this is a guy that had the exact same number of walks and strikeouts last year. I think they're both like 12 and a half percent. The fact that his approach is phenomenal. The power is seems to be getting better and better. I think, and we've said this before, that we have him ahead of Prado and Melendez. At this point, I don't think it's close. I think I have Vinny P a good 25 to 30 spots ahead of both of them. Prado is trending down for me right now. And honestly, people think Prado might be the first one to get the call here if Santana continues to suck. No, more, yes, he will. He's not not more much of an F. He's not good. But we could. I think we could see Vinny P get the call instead of Prado here. Prado's real saving grace is his glove. Right. And that would be the, the reason that he does get the call. And, you know, Pasquantino potentially be in a just DH type role. So I don't know the bat. I definitely prefer Pasquantino. So for fantasy, naturally, I, I do want Pasquantino on my roster. He makes really good contact. And while he did struggle early out the gate, as you mentioned, he's been really hot over the last you know week or two and really gotten things going. The contact rate has skyrocketed since. We've seen some power. We've seen him hit for average, and we've seen him get on base at a high clip, which is just what he does. I mean, he's going to walk more than he strikes out or at least be close at the major league level, in my opinion. And he's just making a strong impression and making a case to be in that lineup if the Royals are serious about winning. So, you know, we could definitely see him sooner than later, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And though yeah, I totally agree that Prado's – glove is is better and that's you know another carrying tool for him i just wonder if he continues to strike out such a high clip he's over 30 percent again this year and he's not he's heated up a little bit over the last week or two but i just gotta wonder if he just keeps struggling or keeps just kind of being man and Vinny p just keeps tearing the cover off the ball they bring him up first we'll, we'll see i think they're, they're both up fairly soon melendez too they still gonna find a way to, to play all these guys at, at the same level but yeah, we'll, we'll see, but Vinny P, I think, is, is easily top 50 for me. Where do I have him? I want to say he's around 40. See how close I am. 42. See, I see a lot of no my own rankings here. 42 right now. Might move him up a couple more spots as well. Prado, I've bumped down to 68, and Melendez is at – he's got to be in that same range. Why can I not see him? Oh, 63. There we go. So, yeah, good 20 spots, 20, 25 spots ahead. Uh, of the other two for me with Vinny P moving over to the pitching side of things, even though these two were in our prospects of the week last week, but when you strike out 14 batters a piece over five or five and a third innings, you definitely include, you know, you forced your way into this segment. Once again, that's Daniel Espino of the guardians and Andrew painter of the Philadelphia Phillies. It was funny. One of the, I mentioned that the tweet I had the other uh, few days ago about my clear-cut top, you know, top tier of pitching prospects being Grayson Rodriguez, Shane Boz, George Kirby, Daniel Espino, Jack Leiter, and Max Meyer. One of the more common, you know, I get a lot of comments saying, oh, what about this guy? Uh, this guy should be up there. The most common one was Yuri Perez. But 
maybe the second most common, or at least the third most common, was Andrew Painter. And I'm like, all right, you know, he's been great so far, but let's not pump, you know, let's not go too crazy. Pump, pump breaks a little bit, but I have moved him up into my top 75 overall, Chris. Like he's got the stuff, you know, he's got the good four pitch mix, big frame, nice downhill playing that fastball, misses bats in an elite clip. He has a 70% K rate this year. And yeah, it's only 42 batters he's faced, but he's still got 30 of them in just 12 innings. Like this is ridiculous. How do you see? frontline potential here with Andrew Painter because I think I might or we are always number two starter yeah so I definitely agree and he's just definitely looked apart and and mentioned that he's not really flashed all four pitches he you know his last start just through four seam and slider he still had a 47 percent CSW which is just silly there and you know, he's looked good he's progressed every start went from three innings his first start to four innings to then five innings obviously his last start is still yet to allow a run, only allowed four hits all season, 30 Ks, 12 innings, absolute dominance, just three walks at that. He's got great command. He's a big, big dude. He's 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, arguably the best prep arm out of the class. And, you know, I think he's easily ahead of Jackson Job at this point from what we've seen, just from an advanced pitchability standpoint. The command is, is really good, and he had that in high school. Like That's what made him stand out as a prep is that he was had really good command with the four-pitch arsenal as well. So you know, you'd really love to see that, and he's one that could just really take off this year, I think. 100% agree. And Espino as well, he had 14 Ks in his last start. He's been right up there in terms of strikeout rate this year, and it's just he just keeps getting better and better i want to put him i've already moved him way he's top 30 for me overall right now and that's i think that's very easy call for at least for me i want to move him higher in terms of pitching prospects he's number four for me right now barely behind i i almost went bump him ahead of george kirby and i think i might because as good as kirby's been and he's i love kirby everyone knows that espino has been even you know just as good or maybe even a tick better at the same level in a couple years younger so how is Kirby still in double A? That's another question. I can't, you know, yeah. you, you asked about Bush. I'm like, how is Kirby still in double A? But I'm just going to put Kirby, excuse me, Espino as my number three pitching prospect. And I think he's basically could be just as good as G Rod and Boz, or maybe even better, maybe, or even better than Boz, I should say. But yeah, Espino is just so damn good. It, it, it's just silly. You know, up there throwing 100 miles an hour with, <coughs> should be low, low 90s sliders and, you know, a good curveball and a good changeup as well. It's just, the fact that he's gotten so much better and Cleveland has just helped him along. Like how much good pitching and we talked about this before, but how much good pitching they have in that system is unfair. And Gavin Williams, another one that's flying up my rankings as well. You know, the big fastball, the curveball that just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> the, the big break on that, the, the hammer. I just love Gavin Williams too, but yeah, Espino leading the way, but that system is just so damn pitching rich, you know, Logan Allen and, and Xavion Curry, Peyton Battenfield, Tanner Burns. It's just silly how good the, that the, that org is. And the fact that they've been so good developing these arms just adds to all that. So, yeah, another good week for Espino. No shot, no shock there at all. Yep, looked really, really good. Some The pitching prospects, the top guys have really stood out so far. It's been uh, really fun to watch for sure. I feel like there's going to be at least one Cleveland arm every week in our pitching prospects of the week. <laughs> it's just... bound to happen. It has happened so far, and I'm, I can't see that stopping anytime soon. How many guys they could have that are so, this very good, like we like we just mentioned. But 
A uh, few other names here on the list that aren't the big names that everyone might know about. Oh, yeah, Andrew Abbott, Adam Mako, and Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann's really fun to watch as well. He's a guy that I think could be a really big breaker. He's the one I like the most out of these three. Out of, out of Abbott, Mako, and Tiedemann, he's the one I like most out of these three. And I think you like him even more than I do. So uh, I'll let you take this one here. Why should people be so excited about Ricky Tiedemann from the Blue Jays? Well, he's just another guy that you know a lot of people didn't really know much about. He went 91st overall in last year's draft. You know, the thing was he he didn't really have a ton of velo, but we saw that really take a step forward so far this year. And he throws three pitches, he throws consistent strikes. He's a good size on the mound, 6'4, 220. Everything that you really want to see in this profile, he he really does well. And, you know, he's he's one that is getting high whiff rates on multiple pitches so far. And he's got a whiff rate of 53% with his sinker, which is nuts, and 42% with his changeup. So he's looked basically unhittable so far. And really the big thing with him is that we've seen the increased velo, which is a huge, huge factor. It should carry him a long way. He's got the four seam that he mixes in, the sinker, the slider, and the changeup too. Everything looks really good in the profile, and I think that he's he's the type of pitching prospect that you go out and get that doesn't cost you anything at all, and he's one that pays off, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I t- totally agree. And like I said he's off to a, a great start here to start the season. Last the last two starts here over the last week and a half or so, ten innings pitch combined. Does have a little bit of a walk problem, eight walks, but sixteen strikeouts has given up a run. Only giving up two hits in those 10 starts. So he's another one kind of like, it's not a direct comp, but like Kyle Harrison, how he was so hard to hit, but you know couldn't really command his pitches as well as, as one would hope. But very young, like Harrison. Tiedemann's only 19 years old in low A. So he's another one that if the command and control does come along here, like this, with the stuff he has, he could be one that definitely shoots up rankings. And we could be sitting here next year and talking about him in the same context as we're talking about Kyle Harrison right now. Like, I think he could be that good. We'll see. But, yeah, he's definitely the one I like the most out of these three. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, let's move on to our deep league prospect target of the week here. We each give you one target that isn't super high in our rankings, but definitely should be on your radar. Maybe you pick them up. At, you know, These are guys that are probably outside of most top 250s, but definitely on the rise. It's someone that makes for a good target here. Chris, why don't you lead us off? Who is your deep league target of the week? Ooh, well, there's uh, a lot of good options. We've seen a lot of players really just popping off early on, which I think you know you have to take with a grain of salt and look at you know what's real and what's not. But I'm going to go over to the national system and look at a prospect that's not really talked about much in TJ White, who was a draft pick last year. He was you know kind of under the radar. They definitely. He was overshadowed by a lot of talent that came in with Brady House and obviously Christian McQuero. He was selected 143rd overall. He actually is local here in South Carolina, played at Dorman High School, which is about an hour from me. He's a center fielder. He's really stood out. He was good last year in rookie ball upon his debut where he hit four home runs and 59 plate appearances at 283 average. And this year, he's really just picked up where he left off where he has two home runs so far and 49 plate appearances and a slash line of 302, 388, 
535. White's contact rate is a little lower right now, but I do expect that to tick back up. The strikeout rate, 32%, obviously not great there. But you look at what he's doing with that higher strikeout rate, I think he ends up making better contact. And I'm really curious to see where this goes. So TJ White's a prospect, a really deep prospect that I think is worth taking a shot on that could you know, definitely move up rankings. Yeah, for sure. My guy is, I'm going to the Oakland athletic system and the guy that might be just from a pure like, excitement or, or ceiling standpoint, he's right up there in terms of the best prospects. Doesn't quite get the love yet. And that's Denzel Clark. He was our fourth round pick in this past uh, June or July draft, 127th overall, 21 years old. And he's a guy that he's listed at 6'5", 220, big, strong, athletic, fast. He's given easy plus run times, solid in the field as well. And he's shown, you know, the solid raw power, but the hit tool was the was the real knock by many evaluators last year, you know, leading up to the draft. So how much could he hit? Could he keep the K rate in check? So on and so forth. And yeah, it's still very early, obviously, but so far so good for Denzel Clark over the first couple of weeks of the season here. Uh let's see, overall, he's gotten he's gotten better, you know. Seems like every week he's gotten a little bit better. Overall, he's slashing 306, 394, 516, four doubles, three home runs, eight steals. But again, he's in low A. He's fast. Anybody can do that uh, at this point. 12.7% walk rate, 25.4% K rate. If you look at the last 10 days, 324, 444, 568, three doubles, two home runs, seven of those steals. But he's not, he actually has more walks than strikeouts. Eight walks to seven strikeouts over the last 45 plate appearances. So, again, he, he only has, like, what, 70-whatever plate appearances overall, 70. But I think the hit tooling approach has been a little better than advertised so far. And he's one that, with that power speed, where he could be above average power plus speed type, if he can just get to a 50-hit tool, just be a 260-ish hitter, give or take, I think that'll allow the power and speed to play, where he could be a 15-20 to 20 homer guy, you know, 20 plus deals. I think, you know, long term, I think he's a better fantasy talent than like a Christian Pache. And I, I know Pache is already to the majors. He's more polished. Well, kind of. I wouldn't say Pache is exactly polished, but uh, he's definitely more advanced than Clark is. Clark's still down low A. So a lot can go wrong between now and then, but I think he's got the upside to be a pretty solid fantasy uh, player long term. And the guy that you can get for very cheap and dynasty, and maybe he's, depending on the depth of your league, he might be sitting out there in your waiver wire. So, I definitely go out and target Denzel Clark. Let's go round out the show now with some uh, recap of our live looks over the last week or so. I've already gone a little bit long, so we'll we'll keep these kind of brief. But throw over to Chris, who saw some more Red Sox prospect and a little White Sox as well. Yeah, honestly, the White Sox prospects weren't that exciting. Like uh, Oscar Colas, uh, Luis Mias, Mises. I always mispronounce that. We did see Andrew Dahlquist pitch. He was all right. Never didn't think anything really stood out there. <laughs> That's well, he, he was all right. <laughs> Honestly, though, like you, you look at Luis Mias and he looks like a major league player. He's a big boy. He he gets the bat through the zone really quick. He looked more impressive to me than than Colos did. Colos is horrific in center field, by the way. He's not a center fielder. He dropped several fly balls that were just pretty easy, like lost them up in the sun. Like it was pretty ugly. So he Colos never really did anything that that stood out to me. And while I think Colos has decent numbers right now, to go back and check, he just one that really was like, I, I was hoping for more 
and I only saw two games. So, you know, obviously not a, a huge sample that I saw, but what I saw wasn't great. He's still yet to hit a home run this year. He does have a 293 average. He has decent contact rate so far. But Luis Mias, gosh, I cannot pronounce that. Um, Miasis, Miasis, it's one of those. But I, he, I think I think it's Miasis. Miasis, we're going to go with that. I, that's he, what I think. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, he does hit the ball really hard, and he does make a lot of contact. He gets the ball through or the bat through the zone really quick and he's a big dude like he's he's 6'3 listed at 180 I think he's bigger than 180 so he's one that could I think advance through the system pretty quick he is uh 22 years old now sorry will be 22 actually in the next month but he's one that can move pretty quick the arms I saw didn't really impress me the the Red Sox hitters I do think are, are worth mentioning. I think Alex Benellis has made some major adjustments this year. And you look on the surface and you're going to see a pretty high strikeout rate. But what you don't see in that is the fact that he's been really patient and he's really waited for his pitches, which I think has really hurt him in that sense where he's getting really deep in accounts. You look at the amount of balls that he's had this year as opposed to strikes. And he just, that number towers over any other hitter in Greenville. So Benellis, while he's slashing 306, 435, 714, really impressive. You know, you look at the strikeout rate, and some will say, well, he's still striking out too much. He's striking out at 30.6% rate. It's just because he's being more patient. He's getting deep in accounts. He has an 18% walk rate, too. He's waiting for his pitch to hit. He's driving a lot of balls the other way. He's not going for the pool-heavy approach, like looking for those uh, pulled home runs. He's being patient and, and hitting the ball where it's pitched. So Benellis is looking to me like the the hitter that he was in Louisville, and at least in his elite Louisville days, he just keeps hitting. And you know, he's so far, he's got eight extra base hits with six of them being home runs, two doubles, and some some opposite field bombs too that I've seen. Matthew Lugo continues to look good. Lugo just doesn't have a true position. Like he's playing shortstop every day, but I don't really know how he fits in the picture long term because he's just he's not a shortstop. He's not athletic enough to stay at shortstop. You know, he does have a home run. He had a big oppo field home run one day when I was there. 397 average, a 426 OBP. He just put in a lot of balls in play, making a lot of contact. Not hitting the ball extremely hard, but he's making things happen. And Sedan, or Sedan Rafaela is the last one who obviously is all the craze right now. And for good reason. I mean, he's done a lot of things well. <laughs> I had a scout sitting beside me that told a fan that he was almost the prospect Nick York was, which I thought that was pretty bold for a scout to tell him that because the, the fan was asking him who the best prospect on the field was. And obviously York was out a lot last series. He was out with an illness, not injury. And then, so uh, Rafaela actually moved to second base and the scout said that he thought that Rafaela was nearly the prospect Nick York was. You look on the surface, everything looks really good for Rafaela. There are some things that are worth noting here. He does have six home runs. Three of those came in Asheville in their series two weeks ago, which is a super hitter-friendly environment. Like, Eric and I could probably hit a home run in Asheville. Like, the park factors are just that ridiculously (laughs) good. So that is worth noting. But he does have three home runs at home in Greenville, too, which is a pretty neutral park. You know, his, his exit velocities have been pretty middling. But what he has done well is he's pulled the ball well, and he's put more fly balls in the air. And when he's pulled the fly balls, he's hit them really hard. That's not to say that he doesn't have opposite field power because I've seen that. I tweeted out a video. He hit an opposite field foul ball that was probably hit 350. It would have been a home run. It just missed on the outside of the foul pole. And then the next pitch, or two pitches later, actually, he went 
opposite field in the right center gap. He's just he's hitting pitches where they're thrown, much like Benellis. You know, the contact skills are definitely there. The speed is definitely there. He just steals bases with ease. And it's not even because of the you know the rules that they're facing in high A. It's just because he's that quick and he's got that good of a jump off the gun every time where he he's just going to steal a lot of bags. He has been caught twice in seven attempts, but I don't think that's that big of a deal. Rafaela, to me, I think the power is played up a bit. I still think he's a 18 to 20 home run bat at the major league level, which I still think is really good when you factor in that he could steal 20 bases. And he's arguably the best glove in the Red Sox system. His arm is potential 70 grade. He can play every position on the field, which gives him such a high floor to make the major league. And it makes me pretty comfortable to say that he's a major league player that we're looking at. Like he's a guy that's going to be on the Red Sox roster one day and making a big impact because he, he plays a plus center field. He plays a plus second base and shortstop and third base. He can play anywhere they need him to play. He moves with ease. He's got a great glove. He's got a cannon for an arm. And when the bat, improving like it has, I I feel comfortable saying that we're looking at someone that definitely makes the Red Sox roster. He's not going to stay in Greenville much longer because he just has been that good. He's going to bump to Portland soon, so Eric will be getting some live looks at him potentially pretty soon. But I am very excited about Sedan Rafaela. I do think he's every bit top 150 prospect at this point i'm pretty pretty comfortable saying and from a real life standpoint i think we're looking at a top 100 prospect because he's that good in the field he really is he's such a natural and you know i i feel comfortable and i've talked to people and i've read stuff that the other people are comfortable saying he's the best glove in the red sox system right now so very exciting prospect on the red sox hands right now yes can i get some offensive talent up here please like I got a lot of good pitchers up here, which is fun. I've seen a lot of them over the last week or so. But I mean, it's like we have David Hamilton, and then nobody else in the lineup is a major, major league player. I don't. At best, there's maybe a couple bench guys at, at, at best. But even I don't even know if Hamilton's a starter long term. He's the best guy. But I get a lot of uh, good pitching looks here over the last week or so. Binghamton was just in town. They met Double A team for the last six uh, games, Tuesday through Sunday. I got the four of those games. I got Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Was I go back Sunday to see Groom again? This wasn't feeling it. Plus, the weather was kind of meh here on Sunday. And then I heard he wasn't going to start. They brought him in in like the third inning or whatever. He still went four innings. But anyway, and the one game I missed on Thursday was the game that had that brawl, uh, which of course, <laughs> yeah. I did one game I'm not there. You know, that five day stretch is the game they have the brawl. But anyway, so let's we'll start with the, I started the, obviously the big three for. Binghamton or the Mets prospects here, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and Ronnie Mauricio all kind of came as advertised. You know, Alv- the only one that had a home run was uh, Mauricio, which I put up on my Twitter. Uh, he had a home run on Saturday, which is actually the last batter I saw of that game. He off the scoreboard, uh, 105 exit velo. He had a bunch of extra base hits from both sides of the plate. Beatty was scalding the ball when he was actually hitting it, it got a few strikeouts. So, Again, similar to what Chris and I saw out in, out in Arizona where he had a lot of hard-hit balls in the gap, a lot of doubles, a lot of line drives, which is kind of what he's always been, like more of a line drive guy. I don't think Beatty, even though he he had three batted balls above 109 in a span of, I think, three uh, three games, 109, 112, 114, if I recall correctly, two of those in the same game, they're more of like the line drive variety. I don't think he's ever going to be more than like a you know 20 or so homer guy. Does he have the power to be 25, 30? Yes. But 
he's he's just more of a gap to gap, you know, doubles guy. I think he's gonna have a ton of he could be a fifty double guy. I truly believe that, but it doesn't really get a lot of loft under 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 him. So Alvarez was very aggressive. He had a couple of hard hit balls and a couple of doubles. I didn't see even a home run in my live looks, but very aggressive. He had uh, several strikeouts. It was you know down 0-1 a lot. It's a very aggressive approach, which is kind of what we've seen. I don't think he's gonna be more than a 250 to 260 hitter, but this is a 30 homer bat over a full season. So, and he showed that even though he didn't have any home runs, like you can, you can see the powers there. Very stout too. Like you looked at, he looks, he's a, you know, not Alejandro Kirk, but he's actually not far off from Kirk. He's just like, I think he's five, nine or so, but very strong frame. So those, all those guys kind of came as advertised, but the real story of, of the week was the pitchers for Boston. I saw another Brendan Walter start. I know you already talked about him, but the second start was just good, as good as the first. He's the second best pitching project in this system for me behind Brayon Bayo, who I also saw on Saturday. You know, Walter, I think, is a, a good number four. You know, like low, you know, low to mid, you know, he's like 92-94 with the fastball, but can sink it really well, runs in and on both sides of the plate. Good slider and a good uh, changeup as well. I think he's definitely a major league starter, that's for sure. Jay Groom is not. And, and I was talking with another person in the Red Sox system that was up for that start. And we neither one of us think he's that good. Like Jay Groom, I think at best is a swingman. Like he, the one start I saw from him on Tuesday, the first game of that series, he didn't get out of the first inning. Let me read you here the batters here as I flip through my little black book. See, first batter, three pitches, he got the fly out the right, then single hit. So single two, that was to what? That was to Alvarez. He hit Beatty in the first pitch, and then he allowed us a three pitch single to Mauricio, and then a six pitch walk. Five pitch walk, six pitch walk, and they yanked him out. He had three runs in. What was that? Just one out, right? Yeah, just one out, including a wild pitch in there as well. I don't think he's that good. So if you have him, you know, I don't know what you can get from him at this point. But if you're holding out hope that Groom is something, I just don't think he's going to be that. Brayon Bayo though was very impressive. Saw him on Saturday. He sat 94 to 96 with his fastball topped out at 97. Changeup and slider mixed in. Changeups mid to upper 80s, slider low to mid 80s. Can miss bats pretty consistently with both of those offerings, especially that changeup. I think that's a plus changeup. Slider, I was teetering. I think it's, it's between average and above average. I'd say it's closer to 55. So I'll say 55 on the slider, 60 change, and 55 or 60 on that fastball as well. Solid enough. I think he's around 50 command and control wise, but he had very good three pitch mix. He can miss batters at a really high clip. He has a near 40% K rate so far this year. So I think he's going to be a, one of those high strikeout number three guys uh, long-term. So definitely he's a guy that's moved way up my rankings. I think he's, I think he's a guy that's top 150 right now as well. Uh, the last guy pitching side of things for the Red Sox was Chris Murphy, a guy that I've kind of been a little lower on than uh, I probably should have been in the past. I don't think he's a guy that is more than a back-end starter, but I think he could be a pretty solid one. Mix A four-pitch mix, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, fastball, 92-94, topped out at 96. Curveball in the low to mid-70s, slider, low 80s, changeup, low to mid-80s. But he's a guy that has really solid command and control as well. So, again, more of a back-end starter, but he's a guy that you could see seeking some fantasy relevance here in the next couple of years as he gets closer to Boston, probably up next year, maybe this year, who knows, but... The, the last one here I saw for pitching over on the Mets side, uh, which was in that same start against Chris Murphy, was Jose Buto, who has gotten some helium lately and kind of been flying up prospect rankings. But 
And while the stat line was pretty solid in this start, I think he gave up. I think he, yeah, you didn't give up an earned run at all in five and a third innings. But it was very meh. I guess it's the best word I could think of. The the changeups plus like changeups around 79, 80 miles an hour, easily his best offering. He used it in all counts, both sides of the plate. He landed for strikes. That's more more depth than fade, but does have some solid fade as well. That's a plus pitch. But the curveball, while it showed good eleven to five break, and he missed some bats with it, it was just super inconsistent. He couldn't really he didn't have a good feel for it. So I actually have that as a forty-five great offering, maybe fifty if he can get better command of it. Like I said, does have some solid break, but the fastball, like if you Google fifty grade fastball, like Jose Buto is it. And I, I wonder if it's maybe the cold weather, you know, up here in, in New England. But he was ninety to ninety-two, top it at ninety-three. Some movement, but not a ton of movement. Commands it well, uh, especially up in the upper zones, but it's just so mad. I wasn't really blown away. So I think he's a major league starter, but more of a back end. So I I don't see the the huge excitement here with Buto. Again, he was was decent, but I think the the helium is a little too high on him right now. So maybe a good time to sell high if you have him in Dynasty Leagues. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again, again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at AirCross04. Chris is at Rotoclag, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more Fantasy Baseball Talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?